I think because of a number of factors that aren't so much a part of our life these days, there's not as much noise, there's not as much hurry, perhaps not as much busyness, although we're pretty good at getting busy. For years, I've said that I believe the greatest need for people is simply for us to wake up, <laughs> to just wake up. I, I've known so many people who are just going through life, as it were, asleep, not awake. Hey everyone, welcome to the Missing Voices podcast. This is Justin Forbes, your host, and you're listening to an episode within the Youth Ministry and COVID-19 series. Our hope is to lift up the reality of youth ministry in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. You know, none of us were prepared for this. And so we've done the best we can to go out and find folks who will help us think well about youth ministry in this new, hopefully temporary reality. We will lift up signs of hope and tell stories that are just beautiful. We'll talk about practical tools that might be helpful. And we'll also talk about hard things, the challenges that we're all facing as we seek to live out our calling to love God, to love kids, uh, and to do the best we can to be faithful witnesses to God's work in the world. So I hope this is a gift to you. I hope there might be even just one thing that you can use and take away from this episode that will help you live into your calling as folks doing youth ministry. Enjoy. Okay, everybody, we've got Phil Anderson here with us. Phil, are you there? I'm right here. You're right there. Phil Anderson, sort of our uh, in-house spiritual director friend of sorts with the Missing Voices Project. Phil is the executive director of Journey Resources based in Greensboro, North Carolina. He's a frequent conference speaker, spiritual director, uh, directs retreats and workshops all over the place. He's a member of the pastoral staff of St. Mark's Church and provides on-site soul care for their uh, staff and volunteers. He's also a member of the Board of Trustees at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, a graduate of University of North Carolina at Wilmington and Fuller Theological Seminary. He also completed the graduate program in Christian Spiritual Guidance at the Shalim Institute for Spiritual Formation. He worked with Young Life for a long time and is now in Greensboro with his wife, Lucy. They're three adult children. They love the beach, and they're always over at Wrightsville Beach in North Carolina as much as possible. Phil wrote a couple books, uh, one of which was incredibly important in my life, that the first time I picked it up, I just didn't even read it. Uh, I picked it up, started it, and said, now nah, this isn't interesting. But that was actually a commentary on me. <laughs> his, his book, Running on Empty, Contemplative Spirituality for Overachievers. I just wasn't ready to hear it at that time, but I read it about two years later, uh, and it was a real gift to me. And I hated it because it was so good. Um, and then his most recent book, Blind Spots, What You Don't See Can Hurt You. Um, I have a feeling the title says enough there. Um, gosh, Phil is one of those people that I love talking to, but I'm always a little nervous to talk to you, Phil, because I know you're going to make me think and do the work. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of like a joyful gift to be with you, but also I know that I'm going to like dive into the deeper places of my heart and my mind with you. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Maybe I'm a little bit nervous, uh, but only because I know I need to do that work. So thanks for coming on here with us, Phil. 
Thank you, Justin. I'm I'm glad to be with you, and I hope your fear will uh, will subside here pretty quickly. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I mentioned, Phil has been um, on the on the wings. Might be a good way to put it with us here at the Missing Voices Project. Phil is a, a spiritual director that I've done spiritual direction with um, on and off over the last couple of years, and. Uh, we brought Phil to Los Angeles with us to help us cultivate uh, sort of the spiritual awareness of what's going on in different creative ministries and who we are as Christian leaders. And so he was in LA with us, with our lead innovators and helped us design a couple of our different events and things like this. And so he's been a friend of the project. But Phil, I'm calling you today as a part of our COVID-19 series uh, because we are trying to, you know, push pause on things with the Missing Voices Project for the moment and react to this current worldwide pandemic reality um, and the youth workers that we love and support. And so, you know, we have had a couple couple conversations with youth workers and uh, professors of pastoral care and mental health workers and things like this, uh, trying to wrestle with what in the world is going on. How do we move forward in terms of youth ministry? Um, And we wanted to bring you into that conversation to maybe attend to the spiritual lives of those people leading ministry right now. So I'm just curious to get us started. What do you see happening around you uh, through the lens of your work as a spiritual director with those in ministry? Like, how would you diagnose what's happening right now in the world? Well, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been going on for a while. (laughs) And um, what, what I saw early on was, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I think people were kind of excited, um, afraid, but, you know, in, anytime something new is introduced, uh, all of a sudden we're getting to, we're getting to work from home and that's, that's kind of new and different. And for some of us fun. And so there, there seemed to be a wave of fascination, curiosity, certainly uh, with with fear mixed in, I think as time has gone on, what I've seen is uh, okay. Um, this is getting old. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I, I'm getting I'm getting tired of this. In fact, um, I'm hearing people say, "Okay, I'm sick of this," and I think "sick" is the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think. What people are beginning to to experience um, is it's grief, hmm. and um, I've had a number of conversations, uh, particularly in the last couple of weeks, with 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 people who it seemed didn't uh, we didn't begin the conversation with them um, recognizing, acknowledging that you know people talking about. I'm I'm starting to uh, feel, I, I find myself really irritable, uh, short-tempered. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 you know, people are, you know, people, my, my wife, my husband, my kids are asking me, are, are, what's wrong? Are, are you okay? You're, you're not very talkative. Um, you, you seem to be somewhere else. Uh, people, um, I was talking with someone yesterday who said, uh, what's going on with me. I, you know, I'm probably getting more sleep than I usually do, but I, I'm having a really hard time getting up in the morning. 
Wow. And so people are, I think people are beginning to realize what it is, 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 is grief. Um, along with the anxiety and, and the anger, um, we've all lost something. Hmm. Um, you know, some people have, have lost jobs. Um, I, I think most of us are feeling, uh, the loss of um, not the relationship, but our connection with our our relationships. Uh, you know, we can, we can talk um, on the phone, we can Zoom, uh, Skype, FaceTime, but we can't we can't touch. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this sense of of loss, which you know, probably a good exercise for folks who are wondering what's going on with me might be to make a list, do a, do an inventory. Um, because uh, we associate grief typically with death, but it's any loss. Yeah. You see, Phil, that's the kind of stuff I was talking about in the beginning that I'm not looking forward to with you because you just said we should all make a list of all the things we've lost. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. I think for anyone who might be listening who says, I, I'm not relating, um, maybe you're not. Um, maybe you. Maybe this is a, a, a too extreme, but um, I think the question is really not will we experience it, the question really is how will we respond to it? Hmm. Um, I think some of us wake up more quickly than others, hmm. but I, I do, I do believe this that um, we're all in this boat together, hmm. and in a in a world where we're used to feeling um, quite alienated. Um, separated, distanced, um, not in the way that we're having to be distanced now, but um, typically we are distanced by a faith tradition, um, uh, political uh, persuasion or conviction, uh, race, gender, the list goes on and on. But we're all in the same boat together on this one. Hmm. And, uh, and, and while I'm, um, troubled by, um, what that means, um, cause it's, it's not a Disney ride that we're, we're in together. Right. It's more like a life. It's more like a life raft. Right. Um, right. but I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful and some days I can say even excited because I, 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 I have remained convinced that Jesus wants to redeem this frightening season. Hmm. Um, I think he wants to redeem the, the, the darkness, the flood that, that, that we're in together with what I like to refer to as the blinding light of his relentless love. What do you mean by that? The blinding light of his relentless love. As a I, I just made the redemption of this. What do you mean? It, it is so consuming. Um, I, you know, it's it's. I think it was literal, but what a what a 
beautiful metaphor as well. When Paul was blinded, I think it was the the Shekinah glory, this bright light that blinded him. It is, it's an all-consuming love, and it is, it is relentless. Hmm. And, um, and I think, you know, for years I've said that I believe the greatest need for, for people um, in the world is simply for us to wake up. <laughs> hmm. To just wake up. I, I have, um, I've known so many people who um, are, are, are just going through life, as it were, asleep. Hmm. Yeah. Not, not, not awake. Not hmm. awake to, uh, you know, when we started talking before we began our recording, you were talking about the, how, how beautiful the morning was where you are. And um, I, I think because of a number of, factors that aren't so much a part of our life these days, there's not as much noise. There's not as much uh, hurry. Uh, there's, there's perhaps not as much busyness, although we're pretty good at getting busy. Yeah, um, I found a way. <laughs> but uh, I, I think those things kind of numb our senses, mm-hmm. and um, they lull us to sleep. And so we wake up in our sleep, uh, and we go through uh, our days. It's like we're sleepwalking. Hmm. And uh, I think this this pandemic, this crisis, global crisis, at least has the potential, and I'm very hopeful, uh, it has the potential to, to wake us up. Hmm. I, you know, I, this pandemic... Um, I, you know, I wasn't planning on this. I didn't have it on my calendar. It was not. Mm-mm. It was not on the schedule. It, it's like um, this COVID nineteen said, "Ready or not, here I come." Right. And um, that's that's very um, golly, that's that's doomsdayish. That's very frightening. That's a that's a dark, sinister sound but i i think there's a voice speaking over covid-19 if we can if we can only listen if we can only hear and i think it's 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 the voice of god saying um in in our disorientation and fear uh, i'm going to leverage this opportunity your life's already been interrupted hmm and this this time of disruption and interruption and perhaps chaos is is a, just a great opportunity for for God to do what God does best to to renovate our our life, reset our course, to to reset the trajectory. So I've never hoped for a pandemic, but I have prayed for decades for the trajectory of my life and for the lives of, of all people whose life is, is not going well, for there to be some interruption that would um, reset the course. Right. And, you know, I feel like this, this interruption is just so disorienting. 
And and maybe, you know, I mean, like I love that. I think it's Walter Brueggemann uh, that talks about like orientation, disorientation, reorientation, like this process of having your feet on the ground and then you get swept up, you know, you get your legs taken off from under you and that's disorienting. And then you get, you get your feet back on the ground with maybe a clearer sense of orientation. Yeah. And so this idea that uh, by no means do we um, long for a pandemic, but we do long for life out of death, right? Yes. Yes. Resurrection hope. We long for the presence of God, the coming of God in the midst of something like this. So what does it then mean for us to open ourselves to God's coming in this or to open ourselves to this renovation as you described it? And when I'm talking to youth workers and people in ministry in general, the general sense I have from folks is that they feel a burden of responsibility to sort of lead or, you know, to facilitate that, which is in many ways understanding and at the same time foolish uh, to think that we would be the ones to do that. Um so they feel this burden of leadership. And I mean, that's what their community has done is ask them to lead them in the faith. Right. Right. Uh, and at the same time, they're feeling it themselves. Like they are feeling disconnected, isolated, removed from their sort of uh, the structure around their life of faith that they leaned on. That's been taken out from them in, in large part. And many people are describing their work right now as feeling kind of pointless. Like, does anything I do matter right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I can have youth group on Zoom. I can have a small group through Zoom or I can, you know, mail cards to people. But like it just feels so far from what we know and it feels so far from what we have always understood meaningful ministry to look like, I guess, um, that they feel just, you know, isolation and disconnection from it all. And I wonder, like, you know, I'd like for you to speak maybe to those people who are leaders, like our, yeah. our audience of this podcast and, and a lot of people I work with are youth workers themselves. So not necessarily um, what they should be doing in ministry for others right now, but what does it look like for them themselves in a role of leadership to be experiencing this um, disorientation, you know, themselves? Yeah. What, do you, what do you think there? Well, uh, I, I think it's the tendency of lots of people, certainly myself, to minimize things. Hmm. Um, you know, to to be dismissive, to say, oh, you know, it's bad, but it's not that bad. We'll get, you know, this too shall pass. We'll we'll get beyond this. Um, let's let's not get too bogged down, too burdened, too um okay, let's not. But let, let's also not deny what's what's real. Hmm. This 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 has uh, this has been a gut punch, mm-hmm. and people are suffering. Uh, you know, um, I think particularly in the um, evangelical Christian tradition, which is, is the orientation I grew up in. You know, uh, the whole reason for following Jesus was uh, um, to to get beyond all, all this doomsday, grim, sad. Um, st- you know, Jesus uh, came to give us an abundant life. So let's get let's get on with it. And hmm. uh, what I think we left behind is 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 part of what makes life abundant. 
And part of that abundance is the acknowledgement that we live in a fallen world. Mm. And so uh, this has been a great season for me, um, reintroducing myself to um, biblical lament. Mm. Um, you know, prayer, prayer which is relentlessly honest. Yeah. Uh, uh, honest about what hurts, what makes me sad, what disappoints me, confuses me, you know, makes me mad enough to cuss. Right. right. While at the same time, um, you know, tenaciously clinging to, to what I know of the goodness of God. Um, and I think it's a, you know, I think we do, um, the students we work with a, a great disservice uh, to, to not, when we, when we fail to introduce them to both uh, grief and gratitude. You know, I mentioned to you earlier um, before we started recording again um, that I'm, I'm in a state of grief because of the death of some very significant people, one in particular, um, just a few weeks ago, uh, someone who was part of my young life work years ago, and uh, a young fellow, too, too young to die, with daughter in high school and son in middle school, and, um, you know, I, 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 I find myself um, grieving his, his departure, um, his gain, my loss. And, and yet, as, as, I'm, as I'm thinking even now of the things that I grieve, um, it, it, it provokes, uh, stirs up as well, um, this this groundswell of gratitude hmm. you know the things that i'm i'm grieving the loss of are, are also the very things that i'm so grateful for right of course and, and so i go from tears to uh you know to to, to laughter and it's kind of like a dance i mean um you know sometimes grief is leading and then suddenly, um, gratitude, gladness is in the lead. And that is the abundant life. And Jesus modeled it uh, brilliantly. You know, hmm. he, he laughed. Like, I, I think um, from, from deep in his gut, I mean, I, I think Jesus knew how to belly laugh. Hmm. <laughs> and, and he also knew how to sob from that deep place. And that, that's what I think it means to be fully, fully alive. Yeah. I think I wandered pretty far from the question, but my encouragement to folks in, in ministry would be do your own work before you start working with others. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, another thing about grief that's just fascinating to me is, um, I think we carry in our minds, but in our bodies, um, oh, yeah. unfinished work, unfinished grief work. You know, we move from it too quickly. We don't finish the job. Hmm. And, um, and then a, a, a new calls for grief 
um, appears, um, crosses the threshold of her life, and it's like a magnet. That obvious calls for our grief without her uh, sometimes knowing. Uh, it, 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 it draws like a magnet this other grief that's unfinished. I felt that effect in the last few weeks personally. And so sure. I've had to do that work. I've had to go back and pay attention to um, what's not finished in the, in the work of grief around my dad's death and one of my most significant friends and mentors and uh, spiritual guides uh, who died several years ago. Um, there's there's still some some grieving to be done. I didn't right. know. Right. Yeah. So you're saying the uh, we can either address grief or it will address us. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to keep showing yes. up in one way or another. And it seems like this season right now has both slowed us down um, enough to kind of have to deal with these things, but also given new cause for grief, whether we've lost jobs or people we love or just routines and rhythms of life. Yeah. And so, it's, but it's you know, really at the same time, I, I don't, I don't want to get too morose. You know what else has happened for me? I, I've been overwhelmed by the goodness, the goodness that I see. I mean, I'm feeling it right now. Um, there is so much goodness. And, and um, I think it has interrupted our lives, perhaps slowed us down. I, I know that there are some people who are working harder than ever. I, I have a son who's a doctor, and he's been busy, <laughs> right? right. Uh, doctors, nurses, um, grocery store folk, people who deliver essential services have, have been working like mad. And, and I don't want to overlook or ignore um, in fact, I want to applaud and celebrate and, right. and extend gratitude. Um, but um, for, for those of us whose lives have been slowed down, um, it, it's a wonderful season for, for, for noticing the goodness in, in others. Hmm. Uh, so many, I went for a long walk yesterday afternoon um, through our neighborhood and beyond and I kept seeing these signs in people's yards expressing their, 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 their gratitude and, and, and also um, offering encouragement, um, rainbows in windows, uh, stuffed animals. Uh, I saw a, 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 an open door with this giant stuffed giraffe, and it made me laugh. Uh, you know, I, I wonder how many people have watched the uh, – the Mr. Rogers movies that uh, come out in the last few years. And I hope everyone in the world, I'm going to do a shout out here. Uh, I hope everyone watches um, uh, some good news. Yeah. SGN. Um, golly on YouTube, just so rich and wonderful. And you know, I laugh and I cry every time I watch it. Right. I got to tell you, Phil, before we move on, that's come up on almost every interview that we've had during this uh that, that brother john krasinski i think is his name yeah I, I was watching it with my wife the other day and i turned to her with tears and i said that brother has a soul yeah, yeah. and of course we all do right. but i i'm seeing his 
Well, and what's so funny is uh, in the episode that we had a conversation with Andy Root, you know, he said, uh, he talked a little bit about how exposing that has been because what we are actually longing for is new life and resurrection hope. You know, we don't want to settle for something that is just simply sentimental, but man, like this, the aspects of that that are sentimental, it's like a bird dog. I mean, it's telling us, listen to what you're longing for, see what it is that you're desiring, you know, like this sort of love, this unity, this, this hope, that's actually the thing that you're wanting. You're not just wanting to get back to normal. Like, isn't that what wonderful we're getting back to, you know? Um, right, right. I'm, I'm hoping that the new normal, if that's what it becomes is better than what we were experiencing before. I think that I love that. And I think I'm someone who like leans towards, I don't think optimism. I think I lean towards hope in that way, but, um, it's not like a naive optimism because I don't think it's going to be better, um, you know, in some aspects, but they're like the most meaningful parts of things. Like I will see my children and my wife in a way that I haven't seen them because of these last couple of months. And that yes. is better. Like that just is yes. better. And I, I miss, I miss so badly watching our, our church walk forward for communion I miss it so badly, you know? Yes. And for me to see that and to appreciate it, it is better. It just is. You know, I see it more fully, more clearly now, um, even though I don't get to see it Sunday morning, you know? You know, I, I helped facilitate a, a virtual retreat for uh, a bunch of youth workers a few weeks ago. And uh, folks, I already have relationship with, but it was on a Zoom call. And um, I I have never felt a a stronger urge to to wrap my arms around people. And and I had the privilege um, of welcoming these folks when they first showed up uh, in this Zoom room. (laughs) And uh, how do you welcome people virtually? Right. Right. Um, so I've, I've been telling friends, um, just prepare yourself because when I'm able to hug you, <laughs> watch out. It, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna last for more than a moment. <laughs> and it's not going to be one of those pat the baby, burp no. the baby things. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be wrap you <laughs> up in your grandmama's arms, kind of a hug. Oh, Phil, I love it. That's so good. <laughs> so, I mean, you can see even just in our conversation over the last 15, 20 minutes, the dance of grief and gratitude have yeah. both taken the lead and back and forth a few times. I love the image of a full life, an honest life, a, a, a life that, of clarity would be to embrace fully both of those realities, loss, grief, despair, what feels like hopelessness, and the presence of God, the goodness of God, the things that are beautiful and full of hope. I mean, it's really both. Exactly. That's a good life. Hmm. That is a good life. I was saying to you before, I, I, we keep referencing all the things we talked about before we recorded, and maybe I should have just pushed record when we got on the phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was saying, I, you know, I had a college small group uh, that I've been working with for a couple of years now uh, yesterday. And we were wrestling with this question, like, what does it mean to be living a full life right now? 
And, you know, if, if the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, that feels like we could name that right now. <clears throat> but what does it mean to be living a life uh, to the full with Christ? And, and maybe this is a part of the answer is that it's a full acknowledgement of grief and it's an embracing of gratitude. And the two can never exist without the other. Uh, they're, they're just two sides of a coin. It's, it's our lived experience. You know, I love I love sports um, for for a number of reasons, and there there's there's so much um, that's that's instructive to me. For instance, um, in any sport, uh, timeout is part of the deal, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, important things occur. Games games sometimes pivot on a on a timeout. Mm. Adjustments are made, um, you know, at, at at the half in an athletic event. Um, you know, teams go into the locker room, and, and and crucial adjustments are made. And it's it's always fun after a half to see what happens, what what's different now. And um, and that image is pretty rich for me as I think about what we're experiencing now. Um, You know, we're in a timeout. Hmm. And so uh, what adjustments? Uh, You know, I've got some questions that I'm asking myself um, that I'm asking other folks. What what are you discovering during this timeout about how, how the first half was played, so to speak? Right and, and and how do you want how do you want to approach the game? Uh, it's not a game, but how do you want to approach life as we start to get back into it in in what we call uh, more normal ways? Um, mm-hmm. There are some things. I there are definitely some changes that I hope to make. Adjustments. Sure. sure. Well, I, I think that leads really well into one of the things I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, this concept of a rule of life. Um, yeah. You know, when I'm talking to youth workers, when I'm talking to college students, when I'm talking to my own kids, like I'm realizing that right now as we've been, you know, forced into this timeout, right, or this halftime, um, there is room to let go of certain things. There's room to add certain things. And I want to, I want to admit, like, there are a lot of people, like you said, who are really busy right now. And there are like youth workers who are, are just scrambling to figure out what to do. Uh, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, in a timeout. And so they're, they're having to both do their work on, in their own lives and plan something for Sunday, you know? Um, and so, I want to acknowledge that, but I do think that for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people, there is maybe a bit more margin right now, um, or at least there is this invitation to not fill the margin as much. And I wonder what it might be like for people to make some of those mid-course corrections, you know, uh, that you're describing. So would you give us sort of a basic introduction to the idea, you know, what is a rule of life and how does it sort of function or relate? to the spiritual life. Yeah, let me let me preface it uh, with this with this thought. Um you know, we I, I I say it other folks say it um I, I say it sometimes often. Um you know, I just don't have time. 
here, here's the truth. Here's the truth. We do what we want to do. Huh. You know, I mean, I know the cliches, you know, well, you have, you have to die. Um, you have to pay taxes. Well, let's just talk about taxes for a second. You don't have to pay your taxes. You don't. Um, I, I would advise it. Um, <laughs> but most of us pay our taxes because um, there's some compelling reason. Sure. You know, we, we don't want to we don't want to go to jail. We we don't want our name in the paper. Uh, maybe there's some there's some integrity in the mix. Uh, you know, we want to do the right thing, whatever. But um, we 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 basically do what we want to do, and 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 that's a hopeful that's a hopeful statement. Mm. I really believe that we can live our best life, and we get to define it ourselves. How the life that I want to live is is mine for the taking on this one condition. I've got to really want to. Hmm. I've just got, I've got to want it enough that I decide that's, that's the life for me. And you know, I, when I, when I fell in love with my wife, I would have gone through trees and parked cars. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. And, and, um, and, and so it, it, the same's true in, in our life with God. If, if we want a, a, a life of, of, of real connection, of, um, of integration, um, I, I don't think it just lands in our lap. Um, I think it requires some intentionality. Stephen Covey years ago said that we achieve peace when our schedules align with our values. Hmm. And, uh, you know, um, he kind of coined that, but, um, it, you know, it's really, if Jesus heard that, I think he'd smile and nod um, because um, the rule of life um, it's it's not a new idea. Um, it ac actually developed um, quite a quite a long time ago in a monastery, um, where monastic orders and often entire communities chose to do life together around a, a, a rule. Um, and so, a rule is a schedule. It's it's a set of practices that um, are designed to order your life it, it it it's a way of um of of keeping yourself from getting sucked into the hurry the busyness uh, the noise the distractions that are so common hmm. it, it's 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 a way to live into what we say really matters mm -hmm. um and of course the language is a problem um, you know, I wrote a book several years ago. Uh, this this gives me a way um, breaking the rules <laughs> was mm. the title. And yeah. so, um, uh, what, what, what was what was I meaning? Well, I was meaning that I think there are a lot of rules that um, are the wrong ones, and we follow them pretty closely. Right. <laughs> um, break the rules. <laughs> I, I think this is a rule that we get to choose. We 
we get to decide that this is the way I want to live my life. So let me break it down. Um, the, the rule actually comes, uh, the word rule, it comes from a Latin word, which means a straight piece of wood. Think ruler. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also, it's also a word, and I like, I like this much more because it's got, it, it's got dimension. It's, it's got, there's an element of beauty. A trellis. Hmm. A trellis, I, th- I think, is, is one of the best uh, images, metaphors. A- and, it, and it syncs up with um, the vine that, that, that we read about that, that Jesus described in John 15. Um, I mean, I think that it's one of Jesus' most important teachings about emotional health and, and, and our life with God. Um, hmm. So what a trellis is to a vine, uh, a rule of life is to our, our life of, as, as we've been invited to do, uh, this life of abiding in Christ. And, and, and it's, so it's, um, it's a schedule. It's a set of practices. It's a way to organize your life. Hmm. It, 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 it's it's um it, it's a way of being deliberate hmm. intentional um you know i think um i mean you're you're an academic um and i don't want to bust your chops but <laughs> I, I think faith sometimes has been uh, reduced down to beliefs sure ideas uh hence not not a reality Right. Um, right. And the and part of the rub is most of us are too busy to follow Jesus. Hmm. But following Jesus is something you do. It's a practice. And at 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 at, at the core, the practices are what nurtures the relationship. Sure. So uh, I, I, I think it's all about intentionality, being being deliberate, uh, taking the whole of our life, kind of breaking it down, and and figuring out what what do I need to do um, for this to go well. <laughs> so a schedule, a rhythm, sort of a game plan for how to. Uh, posture myself towards what it means to following Jesus. What would be, what are some examples of your rule or rules that you've worked with other folks around? Um, I'll just, I'll just use a couple of words here before I answer the question. I've used the word deliberate. I think that's huge. Um, You know, a, a rules, not something that we, um, just have in our head. It was probably written down somewhere. In fact, I would strongly urge that it's focused, and and it's 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 something that's practiced. There are some fundamental practices that are part of this. As you work, uh, as it were, trellis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I call it sacred reading. Um, one of them, uh, certainly scripture. But other uh, 
other things that nurture our soul. Uh, words that, um, you know, I read a lot of words and I just keep moving on. And, and you know, it's not long before I've forgotten what I read. It's in there somewhere, perhaps. But there are, there are some things I read that I want, I want them to work their way down into my life. Hmm. Right? And so I'm not just talking about reading the Bible. I'm talking about reading it in a, in a particular way. Uh, in a way that it, it, it becomes part of me. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I had a buddy come over one day. I, I have I had this chronic issue in my back for quite some time. And, um, and so this buddy came over one day and he had this brown medicine bottle with no label. And I should have known, but he, he, he begged me, try this. I mean, it's awesome. And uh, he said, you'll know when it's really working because your breath will start to really stink. And, <laughs> um, man, a few days later, you know, I opened my mouth and it's like death. And, and not only that, I, you know, I'd start to sweat and I could smell it just coming out of my pores. I mean, it was just nasty. I found that lady was horse liniment. Um, but uh, what a, what a, what a, what a metaphor, uh, kind of, there must be a better one. Take Altoids. It's a little more pleasant smelling. You know, the, the, the container says they're curiously strong. Right. And uh, you just pop one of those in your mouth and it really does. It changes everything. Well, think of words that way. Yeah. I, I think these words uh, have power to, to reform, to reshape, to transform who we are. Mm. Um, you know, Martin Luther said, these words are alive. They have feet. They chase after me. They have hands. They grab hold of me. Mm. So, um, you know, that kind of reading that really has the, the, the potential, the power to, to reform us is, is, is one of the fundamental practices. Uh, prayer which really winds up um, in sync with this particular way of reading because I, I don't think you can read the way I'm describing uh, apart from it, 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 it becoming prayer. You know, you read something and, and you feel yourself um, touched by it in some way. Maybe it makes you mad, maybe it makes you sad, or maybe glad. And 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 so you stop and you say, God, I that that really that kind of ticks me off. Right. It throws you into prayer. Yeah. Hmm. Which is I think uh, some of the best prayer when you know when it's when um it, it just happens. It, hmm. You know, that's evidence of there's a relationship. But that's a very different type of reading, you know, like that's you're talking about a slow reading that is willing to stop, you know, force yes. him to just stop and that be it for the day. If you are thrown into that deeper sort of engagement with God, I mean, that's not reading to cover mileage. <laughs> right. It's right. To encounter. It, it's not reading for distance. It's reading for depth. Yeah. And willing to put it down and be open to prayer in that moment. Yes. 
Yeah, I think the difference is, and, and there's nothing wrong with information. There's nothing wrong with learning things, sure. knowing things. Uh, information's important, but there's there's reading for transformation. Yeah. And so, um, and so prayer, um, my, my favorite definition is, is simply keeping company with God. Hmm. And then um, s- solitude, silence, Sabbath, um, stopping, resting is, um, is huge. And, and so I, I, I would say those are, those are the grounding practices. Those are the practices that, that anchor us, that, that ground, that, that root us hmm. in God. And, and then hanging, as it were, on that trellis are, you know, any number of, of other practices. And, you know, um, we, we might be really attentive to some for a season and more attentive to others at a different season. Right. But um, they, they, they involve the whole of our life. Hmm. Our work, hmm. our, our, our community, our relationships, our, our, our rest, all that's a part of the rhythm of our life. Just, it's a, it's a track to run on. It's a, you know, it, it's a plan. Right. Well, what's, what's fascinating right now about planning anything though, is that I, <laughs> I just had this sort of hilariously painful conversation yesterday with, with a few folks as we're working on our, our plans for the missing voices project. Like we have all of these plans and they have all become provisional. They've all become sort of like subject to change. Everything is subject yes. to change. Yes. You know, the courses I'll teach in the fall, subject to change. Yes. Maybe we're online, maybe we're together, nobody knows. Um, and so in some way, I think the inability to look too far out because we just don't know, which was always the case, by the way, but we lived as if it weren't. Right now, the inability to look too far out pushes us to say, well, what would a daily rhythm or a weekly rhythm look like? And I think that's what I'm encouraging folks to say, hey, like maybe we don't need to spend as much time worrying about, um, you know, these long range sort of things. But what would it look like to say, hey, I have this one or two things that I do every day that I know ground me. And maybe on a weekly basis, I do this and this that keep me tethered so that I don't go more than a week without being sort of brought home in this way. Does that sound yeah. like a helpful way for people to maybe move towards a rule. Yeah. If that's yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've mentioned, I've, I've mentioned desire. Hmm. You know, this gets to reflect this is your rule. I think your rule ought to be about as personal as your toothbrush. Okay. <laughs> In other words, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, I work with people in spiritual direction and they, you know, they want to have a rule. Um, I encourage that. But then, you know, we get together a month later and they're, they're really frustrated. They're angry. They're shaming themselves because they just can't keep their role. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I asked them a few questions and usually what surfaces pretty quickly is they don't have their role. They have someone else's. Right. 
you know, a, a, a rule isn't something, it shouldn't be a burden. Right. It shouldn't be too hard. It, 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 it actually, I'm going to introduce the word fun. Hmm. I think a, a, a good rule reflects what, what is to us fun. Hmm. I, it, you know, I, there's room for creativity, for flexibility. Right. Um, you know, I, so here's, here's an example. I, I, I used to get my exercise by going to work. I, you know, I, I worked with high school kids and, and so I was always playing ball and, and chasing them down. And, but uh, the time came when I couldn't keep up. Right. And, uh, you know, I started looking in the mirror and I realized, dude, you got to do something. <laughs> and so I know I, I know I need to. So, you know, I, I buy a pair of running shoes and I start running or I start trying to run. Right. Uh, and I was a failure. And, hmm. you know, I shamed myself. I called myself lazy, stupid, all these things. And then it occurred to me, there was a reason why I couldn't, I couldn't do what I said I was going to do. I hate running. <laughs> I'm not using a, a, a too strong a word. I hate it. If something, if something ferocious is chasing me, I, I'm I'm apt to stop and consider what's worse, <laughs> hey, let's talk running or <laughs> or getting eaten alive, right? And so, um, so uh, I've got to do something, but running is not the thing. And and I, I one day I read about walking, you know, at a good pace. Well, I love to walk. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, we need to pray. Um, Thomas Merton said something. That I just, I'm so glad he said this. Um, he, he said, most poets are not poets for the same reason most religious people are not saints. Hmm. They wear themselves out in a hopeless endeavor to, to, to write someone else's poetry wow. or, or to have someone else's spirituality. And in the end, they never succeed in simply being himself. Yeah. And so I think a good rule and one that, that we can follow is, right. is a, is a rule that reflects our heart's longing, our, our deepest, our deepest personal desire. I mean, I remember that conversation that I had with you probably two years ago, uh, where you said, stop using the rule as a stick to beat yourself up with. Yeah. You know, it should be something that you can do and that you even find hopeful or joyful. You know, and I like this, this way you're talking about it now, like something that we think is fun, you know, like, why do I feel like I have to be a runner if I hate running or whatever yeah. it might be? Um, I do think right now I'm thinking very in a sort of like in this moment, uh, you know, two months into quarantine life, uh, you know, early May of 2020, the reality of most youth workers is that like there is not a lot in their lives that feels fun. There's a lot of shaming and a lot of sort of shooting that they're doing to themselves. Yep. I should do yep. this and what I'm yep. doing should matter more. You know, is, is, does anything I'm doing matter? Right. And the idea that they would give themselves permission to do something that they love to just simply be who they are sounds like really good news. 
And what if that was, what if they gave themselves that permission in the name of being with God? You know, what do you want is the question. It, it is the first, last, and I think the most fundamental question uh, of Christian discipleship. Hmm. It's, I mean, in John's gospel, it's the first question Jesus poses to those who would follow him. Hmm. Well, let's talk about what you want. And, wow. and so, I mean, I, we the know, we, we know that we need to um, read scripture. We know that we need to pray, right? Right. But um, so how would you like to pray? Pray as you can, not as you can't. Is uh, there, There's a lot of help in that. So how would you like to pray? I ask people that all the time. Or, or, or you know, I, I remember I was on a retreat one time, and this, the, 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 every time I walked past this chapel, and I didn't know the people I was uh, guiding, there was, there was a guy kneeling uh, at the altar. And I thought, Dude, maybe you missed your calling. Maybe you should be a monk. I don't know. And, and um, the next day we met, and I was so shocked. He was just really angry and frustrated, disappointed. Uh, the retreat was not going well. And I told him, man, I misread what I saw. I, do you always pray on your knees like that? And he said, no, I, I never do. And I said, so why why are you? Well, I just, I just you used the word a minute ago. I just thought that's the word. I just thought I should. I mean, yeah. I said, "What? Well, so relax and and tell me, are there have there ever been times when you really felt like there was a, a soul connection with God? Where praying was not a chore but a joy." And he thought for a minute, and his face, his whole his whole expression changed. He said, "You know, I love walking through the woods, hmm. and, and just walking through the woods. Sometimes I." I, I go for walks and I'm not meaning to pray, but I just, I just, I just began to sense God's nearness. And, and next thing you know, uh, we're, we're really in it together. And I hated to even suggest the guy. I mean, this retreat place was surrounded by a national forest <laughs> and he hadn't been, to, he hadn't been to walk a single time. They'd been kneeling in the chapel, but not out on a walk in the woods. Dude. Wake up, right? Wake up. Wow. And you got to wonder, what does waking up look like for everybody right now? And of course, we can't answer that for everybody that might be listening. But the invitation to wake up and to give yourself space within your day and space within your week to do that waking up or to attend to the things that you want. What do you want? Yes. Uh, that's, those are really good questions for this time, I think. You know, for some of us, that sounds so self-indulgent. Sure. Um, and it could become that. Hmm. But what does what does Jesus invite us into if it's not a life together? Hmm. Phil, this is good stuff. You're doing it, Phil. You're doing it again. You always make me ask these questions that mess with my life, and it's dangerous. 
Well, I hope it's hitting you where it helps more than where it hurts. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I'll rest with, I can I'll rest promise with you this. Yeah. Um, if it's if it hurts you, it's probably hurt me first. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I wonder if you'd be willing to close our time together here with a blessing or a benediction. And I want to remind you just real quick about who our our audience might be. These are people doing youth ministry or ministry in general, but specifically youth workers. And they uh, have not seen those couple kids who only came a couple times in a long time. They haven't seen them in forever and they're wondering yeah. how they're doing. Or they're, you know, talking to young people whose families, the stress level is through the roof because, you know, mom or dad or both lost their jobs. Um, or they're talking to kids who are just angry that graduation was canceled, you know, or things yeah. like this. Uh, but they're also dealing with their own, you know, sense of angst or frustration right now as they carry the burden of others. You know, as we've been having this conversation about inviting people to this um to embrace a rhythm that would be fun and that would help them sort of stay home, not literally right now, stay home, though that might be part of it, but to stay home with God or to attend to the presence of God. What would be your closing words for those folks? Yeah. Golly, this could be certainly misunderstood. Um, so I hope, uh, I hope people will have ears to hear because these words, these words really come from a person who I, I, I feel you. I, I, I know how much it hurts when expectations are unmet, when um, when plans are just blown up, when you know what we were looking forward to hoping for just gets tossed in the crapper. Right. Mm -hmm. But here's, here's my, my prayer. And I pray it for over these ear souls, but over my own. Um, may all of your expectations be frustrated. <sighs> May all your plans be thwarted. May all of your desires be withered into nothingness. That you may become like a little child and sing and dance in the love of God who knows the plans that he has for us plans that are for our good. In the name of God. Amen. Amen to that. Phil, thank you for your time. Thank you for reminding us of who we are. I'm going to have to wrestle with this one for a while. Well, join me in the ring. I'll meet you there. <laughs> Okay, Phil. I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Well, thank you, Justin. I, I love talking with you because I love you. 
Thank you, Phil. I love you too. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Missing Voices podcast. I hope that this focus on youth ministry in the midst of this pandemic uh, was helpful to you in some way. I hope that there was maybe even just one moment during this last episode, maybe the benediction or, or, or the signs of hope, uh, something that was a gift to you and maybe helps you carry out your work uh, that you have before you. You can follow what we're up to at missingvoices.flagler.edu, missingvoices.flagler.edu, and we hope that you are well. The work you are doing is incredibly important, and we want to figure out ways to be a part of that with you. Take care.